Week 13 portfolio review, DFS lineups, underdog drafts, best ball portfolio, pickums, everything under the sun. Rough week 13, but we're here to pick up the pieces. I'm Pete. It's the portfolio review. Let's do it. I suffer from a debilitating condition known as atropic chalkitis. Peter's one of the greatest depositors I've ever seen. Trust the process. Let's go. I got auto match with Levitan. This is bullshit. If I just go the other way in that 66, I win all the money. All the money. If I had 150 lineups, I'd win too. Process over results. Illuminati make a bitch go crazy. I don't know which one of these my baby. Bust out AP, close spot, bullets in your head like KD. Bust it, bust it, bitch go bust it. And I had 10 pints with me in Russia. Hey everyone. All right, GMs, GMs all around. I know some of you guys had some good weeks. Some of us had bad weeks. I certainly fall into the bad week category. Had a Tank Dell on both of my main GPP teams. And of course, across my underdog exposure, Tank Dell was my highest exposed player across all, I think I did like 100 plus drafts. So yeah, it was a, it was a rough week on the injury front. You know, it's one thing when you just play bad, you don't like your lineups. Um, it's another thing when your player breaks his fibula as an interior blocker on a QB sneak, a five foot nine, 175 pound wide receiver. Yeah, let's go ahead and get him in there to be the lead blocker on your bastardized version of a tush push. Good job, Houston Texans. Good job. Thank you for that. Really great way uh, to utilize. Uh, uh, your breakout rookie wide receiver. Uh, I'm clearly not tilting. I, I'm clearly over it now, uh, but we are here to pick up the pieces, to lick our wounds. And uh, I think we need to get the coffee going. We need to get the ducks fed, get ourselves in the right state of mind here to recap week 13. The ducks are being fed. Let me get my coffee going. Nice pour there. Are the ducks loud enough? Might not be loud enough. You guys need a little more ducks? There you go. How's that? How's that? Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, rest in peace, Tank Man. It's getting cold out. It's cold and rainy here in New England. You know, the you know the uh, the Patriots couldn't score uh, a single point yesterday. Uh, my DFS teams couldn't score a single point. We're all chalking it up to the, uh, the bad New England weather. We will be looking at the uh, Deposit Kingdom contest, which totally not the FBI finished 30th in his first time. We also have a repeat champion. little spoiler here in the Deposit Kingdom tournament. We will check that out here as well. Hmm. Let's see. Mr. Mister had a good day, though. 5X, the 20K spy. All hail Brock Purdy. Nice job. Nice job. Forget Zach Moss, it's Zach Miss. Yeah, we can talk about the uh, the sky-high Zach Moss ownership, um, although the ownership was pretty dead on for him in the uh, in the small field stuff. Came in about 75%, uh, which is about what we expected there. Zach Moss, of course, doesn't get there. 7.7 points yesterday. Um, let's dive in, though. Let's dive in here. Um I ended up rolling out uh, two CJ Stroud double stack teams. And one thing that I kind of found myself um, struggling with when I went to build my lineups after the cram show yesterday morning was I, I wasn't liking a lot of stuff. 
it was either stuff that I could tell was getting incredibly steamy, the Sam Howell stuff, the Brock Purdy stuff, or it was stuff like the Sims didn't like. Like I, I kept trying to do Tua, Devon Achan, and Tyree Kill, and I could not make lineups that the Sims liked at all. And I'm not beholden to you know the ROI number whatsoever, but relative to the other lineups I were making, these CJ Stroud doubles that were grading out really well, I was just like, man, I'll have to find another way to utilize Tyree Kill and Devon Achan, who I did really like. I did have a third lineup that featured those guys. We can look at that. But the main thing that was crystallizing for me as I made lineups was this CJ Stroud double stack was getting squeezed because if you wanted to play one of Tyree Kill or CMC or even both of them, it you just didn't have the salary to spend 8,100 on CJ Stroud, to spend 7,400 on Tank Dell, 6,800 on Nico Collins. And I felt really good about my read on where that ownership was gonna come in because the ownership on Tank Dell and Nico was even much higher than this. I have the uh, the 200K spy here. So for the audio listeners, I'll list off this lineup here. CJ Stroud double stack. CJ Stroud comes in at 5%. Tank Dell comes in at 4.4%. Nico Collins comes in at 6.7%. Sorry, triple stack. And then, of course, tossed in Brevin Jordan, who was the chalky punt play tight end de jure at 2,500. He comes in at 38%. Have that triple stack. Ended up bringing it back with Jerry Judy in this lineup at 5.4%. And then I got in just some of my other favorite plays around there. Jalen Warren comes in at 18.4%. Zach Moss, of course, at 75.3%. And then Brandon Ayuk in my flex uh, at 18.3%. Colts defense, 8.1%. Um, so yeah, I don't, not a ton here to, to discuss from a, a lineup construction standpoint. Dell gives me zero. Nico Collins goes nuclear. It's absent. 37.1 points there. Um, Brandon Knight's ownership did come in higher than expected, and that was, I think, in large part due to the Brock Purdy steam. Um, you know, we saw Brock Purdy trending to be very popular. And similar to last week, right, where Josh Allen was the trendy, late, steamy quarterback, and Stefan Diggs was projecting for like 8 to 9% ownership. Then we flip over the cards, and Stefan Diggs is closer to 18, 19%. Exact same thing happened here with Brandon Ayuk. Um, I did, you know, I was constantly trying to think about like what are ways if I'm going to use Zach Moss that I could, you know, either make my lineups different from other Zach Moss lineups um, or kind of compound that. And so one thing I did in this lineup was use the Colts defense, kind of like that idea of, you know, if Zach Moss is having a monster game on the ground, you know, maybe the Colts defense is keeping Tennessee in check. The funny thing is, is the Colts defense actually ends up being a great play, 8%, you get 17 points, but that thesis did not bear out as Zach Moss had a game that clearly in his tail end of outcomes you know this is on the bad side but well within the range of outcomes here 51 rush yards no touchdown i guess maybe running a little bit poor on expected receptions you figure he catches a couple more balls there um but yeah ends up cratering about 75 percent of the lineups in the field there um and yeah not too much else to write home about this Felt good about this one. You know, if I'm going to use a chalk Brevin Jordan, I want to be using it in a correlated fashion. I knew most of the field was not going to be stacking up Brevin Jordan with CJ Stroud. Um, people were just going to be using him as a one-off. So, you know, I feel pretty good about getting access to a really high ceiling triple stack 
in a really low ownership spot. Um, just tons of frustrating things with that game. Um, they had a few drives early that stalled out. Um, Broncos not really able to push them. Of course, the Tank Dell injury. So uh, that's a little frustrating there. I see some talk uh, about this and I actually want, wanted to pull up a tweet. I actually bookmarked this. So Olarge here says, uh, Sims have ruined ownership projections. Ownership projections will keep being wrong until the Sims adjust to the fact that they influence ownership. I don't know if this is a uh, shit my money's burner, but that's literally word for word uh, the tweet I had pulled up that uh, that he said. And I did specifically want to talk about this because I think it's, it's very true. Um, Adam, again, just to make sure I'm pulling his words directly. I thought it would take a little over a season, but the industry is going to under project chalk badly until they adjust for the Sims inflating chalk ownership. And just, I know a lot of you know what he means by this, but I am just going to explain it. If you're a little confused, if you haven't been in the Sim streets, but basically what's happening, you have your uh, stochastics, your solver Sims. That's what I use over from ETR. You got your run the Sims, you got um, your Saber Sims. All of these sites are now, you know, showing you optimal um, play based on their simulations. And what's happening is these target ownerships essentially, or target exposures are now influencing ownership. So as an example, you run the solver and Zach Moss is showing up in a hundred percent of these. And what it's essentially doing is giving players the confidence that a player is good play at that specific projected ownership right? The problem is, is if you adjust that ownership, say in this Tyree Kill example, we have pulled up projected ownership 28%. He comes in 45%. This is in the milli. It was even higher in small field. That's a big difference there. And so what's happening is the Sims are saying at a 28% ownership clip, he is a smash play, put him in every single lineup or whatever. But at say 45% ownership, the Sims would probably actually do a 180 on that and say, well, maybe you do fade him. Maybe you go down to CMC. Maybe you make a pivot to some other high price guys. So there's this leveling game that's going on here where the Sims are dictating ownership, driving ownership high. But the whole reason the Sim liked the play in the first place was because of a fixed ownership level. And so now it's this seesawing effect that we're all having to deal with. And I will say, one of the things that has been most valuable for me, and this is a plug for the premium shows, but it has been the most valuable thing for me building lineups on Sunday is on the cram shows that we do every Sunday at 10.45 a.m. I do informal polls with the chat. We have a super sharp crew of players in there. I say, who's your favorite quarterback? Who's your favorite running back, wide receiver, tight end? And we do polls. And those straw man polls, have been incredibly accurate as far as diagnosing where the field is going to go, where our ownership projections wrong. Like I knew yesterday from our cram, like 75, 80% of our group said, I'm playing Sam Howell and Brock Purdy. And I was like, holy cow, like the CJ Stroud stuff is going to come in way low. Like a lot of people aren't getting up to Tua, you know, in that kind of actually understanding what are the hyper engaged players going to do has been the most valuable thing to me as far as predicting ownership compared to actual ownership projections. And we talked about this on Lulz on uh, Thursday. You know, Brian's really trying to revamp his ownership projection process to kind of deal with this dynamic as well. And it's a really interesting thing and very 2023 DFS that we're having to deal with uh, right now, this, this leveling dynamic. So I really, I guess my takeaway um, for everyone is you, you can't take 
these ownership projections as gospel right now. There's too many meta leveling games going on. You really need to apply some critical thinking. You need to listen to some content. You need to see what people are saying. You need to talk to other GPP players. What are they doing? And then really know this is what we're seeing and this is where they're going. And often it's a zigging and a zagging element that goes on. And it's funny too, because the dynamic last year, a lot of times would be like the traditional DFS dynamic, right? Would be um, early projections come out. All the content providers and touts identify the best plays from a points per dollar standpoint. Like when we're doing the small cast, we're often looking at that first batch of Roto Grinders projections, sorting by points per dollar, just trying to pick off, oh, who's mispriced here? Who's jumping out? Then by the end of the week, all the tournament and GPP bros come in and say, okay, this is what everyone's going to do. This is the chalk. These are the good pivots. The problem now is we're laying, layering on another leveling element with the Sims. And the Sims are basically recalibrating that and saying, no, 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 this, this player actually is a good play at this percentage. And then the field is adjusting from that. And so it is really this kind of Russian nesting doll uh, dynamic of leveling right now. And you can either hate it or you could love it and think it's really fun. But uh, at the end of the day, we now do need to adapt to these new conditions. So that is my little rant about ownership projections being off, how Sims are impacting it. And I definitely think that's the case. Um, let's look at my other lineup. It was very, very similar. Like I said, I couldn't find a lot that I liked on this slate. So I did another CJ Stroud triple stack. And instead of bringing it back with Jerry Judy, I did one with Javante Williams, who was another play I liked a lot. He was projecting very well. Um, he was high up in the ETR points per dollar ranks for running back values. Knew he was going to get squeezed here as well at 7.2%. And then in this lineup, instead of Ayuk, um, and I ended up getting to an AJ Brown. Um, saying, could I get an AJ Brown alpha game here? And then as my punt play, ended up using uh, Elijah Moore here and then Panthers defense. So another lineup, uh, nothing special here. Javante Williams doesn't get there. Um, Elijah Moore was fine at that price and ownership. Very happy to get 12 points from Elijah Moore. Uh, AJ Brown uh, can't keep up with Debo Samuel in that game. So just another sad trombone of a lineup. But again, I'm not like beating myself up over this one. I felt really good attacking that Houston-Denver game environment and just couldn't get the, the pieces to come together there. Obviously, the Tank Dell injury just really wiped out any chance of a big score. Um, let's just really quick take a look at what won uh, this spy here. Um, we had uh, Brock Purdy... Uh, stack, of course, to Debo Samuel. You really had to have that Brock Purdy to Debo stack. And this was one where I just didn't beat myself up too much for not having this. I knew the Brock Purdy ownership was getting out of hand. And this is another example about the Sims leveling. I think ETR had the, the Brock Purdy ownership around 18, 19%. Someone can correct me if I'm, I'm off on that. Um, he was grading out is a very good play. I'm telling you right now, if the Sims knew he was coming in closer to 30%, um, it would not have been showing good ROIs on Brock Purdy double stack stuff. So that was my own kind of finessing. Hey, Brock Purdy's getting steam here. Debo Samuel was by far the most attractive 
stacking option with Brock Purdy. Um, I think you could argue CMC, um, but just when you factor in the price, Debo Samuel at 6,200 was objectively uh, underpriced here. And then when you're comparing it against a very expensive George Kittle, expensive Ayuk, expensive CMC, we knew Brock Purdy to Debo was going to be the chalk stack here. So yeah, we look again at this lineup that takes it down. And I mean, it's chalk city. Um, you were able to win tournaments yesterday, even with Zach Moss. Um, you had to have Tyree kill. I mean, 54% for Tyree kill in the spy 54% small field ownership on a $9,600 player. Um, pretty wild there. Again, Sims had him coming in more in the 40% range. Um, or may, might have been even slightly lower for projected ownership in small field. Rashad White at 36% in this lineup. Uh, Michael Pittman was uh, a nice leverage piece here at 7.6%. You knew he was going to get squeezed with so many people not necessarily wanting to play Zach Moss and an expensive Michael Pittman together. Curtis Samuel was a very popular bring back uh, or mini correlation with uh, Dolphin stuff. He comes in at 28%. He just chalks it right up with the one-off punt. Brevin Jordan, Debo Samuel. I haven't even seen what the cash team was yesterday, but I imagine it looks a lot like this, right? May, are, are any of you cash bros in the chat? I'm guessing outside of Michael Pittman, every single one of these players was in, in play for cash, would just be my guess. Uh, so, uh, so much for uh, Chalktober being over because it's carried over into November and into December as well. Just play the best plays, win $50,000, easy game. Yeah, this is a good point uh, from Easy here. The big ownership misses end up being correlated. 9,600 Tyreek coming in over leading to 4,100 Samuel. And that's another good point about the thinking through ownership shifting, right? The way ownership is projected for all of these sites, it is individually projected in a vacuum, right? We've already talked about how it's generally getting generated uh, by an algorithm, right? It's, you know, churning out thousands and thousands of lineups, seeing which players are getting uh, or appearing most frequently, and then saying naturally players are going to get funneled to the best points per dollar plays. This ends up being the chalk. And then the sites who are really good at it, like I really trust ETR's ownership projections, they're massaging that through the week, adjusting for injury, for some public sentiment, for how roster construction dynamic. But even that isn't fully accounting for how these combos pair together, as, as Easy mentions here with the Tyree Kill and Curtis Samuel. And that's, that's like a soft science. That's really hard to get right. But I do think it goes in conjunction with the Sims, right? The Sims are going to like players in the same game. The Sims are factoring in those correlation boosts. And so once you see all the Sim bros are saying, wow, a lot of Curtis Samuel popping up in my Tyree Kill lineups. Well, now not only are those individual ownerships going to be high, but combinatorially, they're going to be supercharged in tandem because people are seeing that popping up. Everyone is so hip to those correlation principles now that I do think you really want to think through that stuff. And I mentioned it on the cram yesterday where I was saying how I was going to have a hard time getting to the Sam Howell stuff, just knowing how popular it was going to be, but that I wanted to not do, if I were doing it, I didn't want to do a Sam Howell with Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas, because I could tell that's where everyone was funneling and saying, hey, maybe you toss in Jahan Dotson there. Maybe the steam coming off of Terry McLaurin, which we saw the McLaurin and Curtis Samuel ownership flip by the end of the week, thinking about 
intentional ways you could make that more unique because so many people are getting funneled into this direction based on these sims based on these value projections so that is a, a note to uh to file away too as you build these lineups and thinking about how these pairs um are most frequented um i did have one other lineup here and uh for a while yesterday it was my best lineup and this lineup was basically after i built out these cj stroud double sacks and i'm like all right i have no tyree kill uh, I don't want that to be the case. I have no Devon Achan. I do not want that to be the case. I need to get these guys in a lineup together. Um, I was not going to full fade them yesterday. And when I was running lineups in the Sims, like lock buttoning Tyree Kill and Devon Achan, it was so hard for me to find a quarterback stack around them that the Sims liked. And the two that kept popping up were Russell Wilson stuff and some of these vomit stacks with the Steelers value. And I said, you know what? Let's put on my big boy pants. Last week, I rolled out the super gross Derek Carr triple stack. I said, let's run it back here with the Kenny Pickett uh, vomit triple stack here. And what was so funny is this lineup was cashing for a little bit exclusively because of Devon Achan dropping 25, almost all in the second half. And Tyree Kill, of course, going for 35. I'll read this full lineup for the audio listeners here, which by the way, I appreciate all of you guys who hang out in the chat on a Monday. I do post the audio for these on the In a Vacuum podcast feed. It's on iTunes, all your podcast platforms of choice. I also post, uh, what else do I post on there? The uh, Often on the Clock, I post that audio from the show with the Bad Bros on Friday. And I post the audio for the GPP strategy shows with Jam to Win. So you can find that all in that podcast feed. But for the audio listeners, who I will always service. Uh, I had Kenny Pickett, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, all sub 6.1% here. That allowed me to get in Devon Achan and Tyree Kill. Um, I did use Zach Moss in this lineup and Rashad White and then Falcons defense. And it's similar to my Derek Carr lineup this week, it's like when I know I'm so far off the board with the stack, I know I can just jam in the best plays around it. So Rashad White, I knew was going to be popular, but 6,300 perfectly fit here. I said, I'm not going to gal brain this. Um, I guess I should have played Debo Samuel in hindsight because he was right there as well. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, um, I feel good uh, about this lineup construction as well. And it's the second week where basically the, the gross triple stack has not hit and the lineup has been very live, which I do think is a takeaway for me as well, as far as when that stack does hit, you are going to position yourself so far ahead of the field. Obviously, Kenneth Pickett hurts his ankle. It's going to be uh, got surgery today is going to be out. So that three points hurts. Um, and the offense ended up struggling there. Deontay Johnson gets a touchdown. George Pickens had some nice deep balls. I thought we were going to get cooking there. Um, they ram Najee Harris into the line four fucking times or whatever at the goal line doesn't get there. But this was really the only way I could get that Tyree Kill and Devon HN combo to work in a way I liked. Ended up uh, getting pushed out of the cash line in this smaller spy. Um, I did decide to put this one in the smaller spy just with that um, aggressive onslaught of the Steelers. Um, but yeah, I don't mind this lineup. I've been liking this style of picking off the you know really cheap values and basically thinking about these guys as a block of plays so looking at deontay johnson and george pickens their combined salary here of 9800 and saying what can i get for 9800 from these guys in an awesome spot i also kind of like the leverage of knowing jalen warren was going to be super popular 
what if the touchdowns come through the air? So yeah, um, don't have much more to say about this one. Um, the other one I was looking at was Russell Wilson stuff, but it was just harder to, um, to like that stack because my favorite players with Russell Wilson were Javante and uh in judy and then kind of doing the quarterback running back wide receiver and then you're having to jam in you know theoretically a texans player to kind of logically make that lineup work where uh here this one just went the other direction what you needed was james connor and trey mcbride trey mcbride ends up being the second highest scoring tight end on the slate so this one doesn't get there uh it is what it is those were my three lineups uh two cj stroud triple stacks and then i had to do one lineup to get in a chan and tyree kill and i will say i know on the cram i said i'd wanted to build one lineup without zach moss did not end up getting there um Kind of frustratingly so, um, I fell into a lazy trap as I was putting these together and using the Sims, and it's just like Zach Moss, Zach Moss. Um, I had mentioned on the cram that the Derrick Henry uh, Titans defense would be a really good correlation and way to leverage that Zach Moss ownership. Wish I would have had the stones to stick with that, but I did not. Um, let's check out the Deposit Kingdom League here. I need another sip of coffee to catch my breath and then we will review Rupesh's uh winning lineup here his second time taking down the Deposit Kingdom rake free tournament this year. Mm. So Wounded Geese isn't listening. Uh, I literally, he says, you think Pickett could support three pass catchers? Uh, no, I wanted him to support one pass catcher at 9,800. I highly recommend tuning into our strategy show on Friday with JM. He, you know, he drives this home every week, but, you know, it crystallized with me probably last year with him. When you stop thinking about the players as individual plays, but as blocks, the show is literally called The Block Party for that reason and you are leaning into the correlation principle. It's hard to say which of these guys is gonna score. It's why we roll out double stacks. It's why we roll out triple stacks in these lineups is because it's saying it's hard to know which one of these guys is gonna go for 40, which one's gonna go for 10. It's why you use Ayuk and Debo in your Brock Purdy lineups in these smaller contests. You'll look at the Millie Maker lineup and you'll see you needed just the skinny stack because to win the super large field stuff, you have to be completely perfect. But in these smaller tournaments, which I don't really play anything uh, less or bigger than 5,000, you do not have to be perfect. You need to hit the block of points. You need to hit the uh, the pair that goes nuclear. And the, the Tank Dell, Nico Collins, is actually a perfect example. Um, you know, Nico goes for 38, Tank goes for zero because he leaves the game early and you still are capturing 38 points from that block. Now that's a more expensive block, which makes it a lot uh, tougher needle to thread. But when you have these cheap players and you can capture it, like if you looked at the Sims yesterday, you're actually getting a ton of uh, Elijah Moore, Amari Cooper and David Njoku. And you would laugh and say, there's no way Joe Flacco can support three, but we are playing a pricing game. This is all this is. It's not about Kenny Pickett supporting things. We are playing a pricing game. If Kenny Pickett's salary was a dollar and all of his players were a dollar, would you care about Kenny Pickett supporting it? No, you would say the amount of points I am getting for this block, to use a hyperbolic example, is far outweighs whatever uh, hand in the dirt or whatever. And it also was an objectively good spot uh, for the Steelers. The Cardinals have given up big games 
every single which way. But yeah, once you open up your eyes uh, to thinking about these players, specifically the cheap ones as a correlated block, um, you'll start seeing the board more clearly. Uh, let's uh, review Rupesh's lineup here. Brock Purdy, uh, here we go again with the correlation thing. Brock Purdy to Debo in CMC. Um, I would argue that CMC at uh, at 9,000 doesn't even pay off a 22-point price tag, but it doesn't matter when you lean into the correlation and you play Debo and you get him uh, dropping 38 points there. Um, what else do we have in this lineup? We just kind of played the best plays around it. Here's again, that cheap correlation uh, pairing here. Elijah Moore, 3,500. David Njoku, 4,100. You play those two guys for 7,600. They don't get there uh, fully, but they uh, Elijah Moore pays off his salary. And because uh, he had so many of the other big uh, performers in Nico Collins and Debo Samuel in Brock. Uh, did not matter that he got the snowflake there from Najoku, but this is definitely a sim lineup. If I have ever seen one, you play uh, Rashad White, Zach Moss, and uh, in Falcons defense. Falcons defense ended up being a really nice play. Opposite Tim Boyle there goes for 17 points. Uh, Shady Advice. Didn't Shady Advice win a milli yesterday? I'm pretty sure that's the same dude. This guy is out here winning a million dollars. Do I need to go look for that? Is that true? Shady Advice. Yeah, here we go. Look at this. Shady Advice won a million dollars. Is this the same lineup? 188.66. So this must have been in the bigger milling. Look at this. Rupesh, that's a feather in your cap right there. You you know, this guy might have won a million and uh, $300 yesterday, but you got the crown in the Deposit Kingdom. He could not beat you. Um, but shout out Shady Advice. Uh, it was a couple weeks ago, Short Gamer TV. Uh, one of our YouTube members here took down the Big Millie and uh, Shady Advice here with, uh, I guess we can just look at the lineup in here because it's the same one. Um, had the Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Here we go back to the correlation. Brandon, <coughs> Brandon Ayuk at 30%, 7,200 does not pay off his tag. But when you're using it to get to Debo Samuel, you get those 38 points. Boom, correlation there. Kyron Williams, he was an interesting play. Um, I know some projection systems were down on him, which kind of funneled into lower ownership. Um, you know, 10% there, Kyron Williams getting 20 points ends up being nice. Plays Devontae Smith as a bring back here. So pretty classic double stack and a bring back. And if you were looking at a lot of the winning lineups yesterday, you once again saw a bunch of two tight ends. You saw Laporta with Brevin Jordan. Uh, you saw Trey McBride with Brevin Jordan here. Um, it's, I, I really, I have to get over the mental block. Um, and I know a lot of us have it. I know Levitan has it when he talks about it, of not liking how it feels to play double tight end, but it, it makes so much sense when you think of Brevin Jordan as the punt play, right? If you're thinking of him like Greg Dortch, like Elijah Moore, like Jamison Williams, except he's $1,000 cheaper than those guys, and his target expectation isn't that different, um, it so makes sense to go double tight in there, especially too when Trey McBride at 4,900 is has been projecting better than a lot of the wide receivers that go around there. And not every week is going to line up like a week for this, but it sure seems like we are on a streak right now of these double tight ends popping in optimals, popping in sims, and uh, the sharp players are definitely willing to utilize that. Pretty impressive too that Shady was able to win this Millie uh, without Nico Collins in the lineup there. But getting Trey McBride's 
points kind of separating from some of these other tight end plays ended up kind of being the difference there where you were able to make up the points of not having Nico if you had one of Laporta or McBride. Um, let's see here. How many double tight ends have won this year? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it has to be a decent amount. It has to be an, uh, a, a decent amount. Hmm. There you go. Copy paste dates. This is this is what you go home and you tell your family, you tell your friends, you're saying, hey, yeah, this guy is a millionaire, uh, but I beat him in the Engage 8. I beat him in the Deposit Kingdom tournament. That's all that really matters. That's all what that really matters. Uh, thank you, Angelina, for hanging out. We do have the coffee going here. Historical anomalies. We have another Deposit Kingdom or Chasing Karain. It's true. I don't know if Shady uh, self-identifies as a Deposit Kingdomer, but uh, you know he's in our contest, so he's lurking in the Discord. I know. Uh, I saw Whistles. Whistles is actually claiming Shady as part of his tree. Shady shouted out Whistles in his uh, in his tweet, uh, saying that Whistles is the one responsible for getting him into DFS. I guess they were in uh, in a poker game uh, multiple years back. Uh, maybe I'll have to get Shady on a DFS After Dark. Get his backstory here one of these days. Uh, yeah, show yourself, Shady. Where are you? Reveal yourself. Uh, my guess is he's hungover and still sleeping. That would be my guess. Um, Jay Chang is so <laughs> screwed DFS, ready for best ball. Uh, yeah, we're going to get to it. Let's hop over to my underdog drafts. Ended up getting 100 uh, teams in the Battle Royale. And as I mentioned here, uh was too heavily exposed to tank dell yesterday so these are my exposures ended up doing 136 drafts had 100 in battle royale got in some of those uh 20 max contests um a few fullback dives some goal line stands so got to 136 teams uh tank dell <laughs> my eyes drafted and you can see up here at the top um what i got right and what i got wrong i was fortunately taking uh tyree kill at 101 or 102 whenever i got the opportunity so did get to 20 percent tyree kill um but i had the wrong pieces in this san francisco game um was very heavy on aj brown who i believe got outscored by Devonte smith right yeah i think Devonte smith outscored him i was heavy on george kittle and brandon Ayuk, and i had a decent fade on debo um i thought debo in the battle royale draft specifically was a little overpriced so yeah here here's my coffin right here debo 5.9 percent very heavy on Kittle, 24.3%. Ayuk, 21.3%. Did have a decent chunk of Purdy, but didn't have uh, enough Purdy with Debo, obviously. And then uh, had a ton of Nico, which felt good. I did have some CJ Stroud Nico teams without Tank. Um, and those teams, you know, cashed there for a little bit, but nowhere close to having a profitable day when I whiff on the correct Niner and my highest exposed player uh, gets injured in the first quarter. Uh, blocking. For a QB sneak. Um, yeah, I'm definitely over it. Had too much Zach Moss here. So yeah, a lot of whiffs uh, from a portfolio standpoint. Um, did have a decent amount of Trey McBride, uh, which helped, but not enough Sam Laporta. Laporta was also going in that range where I talk about I talk about it a lot, where the the, the weeks I'm really gonna get dusted is when um, you know, say the tight end four through six goes off because those guys generally don't project as well as the top three tight ends, and they don't project that much differently from tight end seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, who are getting drafted in a fraction of the draft. So like the equivalent yesterday, 
for those of you who aren't playing in these battle royales, it would be like, you look at the DraftKings projected ownership and Sam Laporte is projecting for 100% ownership and Jawan Johnson is projecting for 30%. That's essentially the, the dynamic that you're looking at. And so I end up playing more Jawan Johnson, Logan Thomas. I made exceptions for Kittle and McBride because I thought they were separating the most. Maybe a process mistake on my side not to include Laporta up there. He had flashed that upside earlier in the season, had cooled off lately. The Saints have actually been good against tight ends. And uh, I guess maybe just too much of me watching the Lions fail in some of these spots recently has had me spooked um, there. So I definitely shortchanged Laporta's upside. That carried over to my ownership, which carried over into me not making uh, much money yesterday in Battle Royale. Let's look. I did want to look at the winning team here from Battle Royale because it's a really interesting team in that I would call it a very logical team. Um, there's correlation everywhere here. Um, Brock Purdy, skinny stack to Debo Samuel, a mini correlation with Alvin Kamara and Sam Laporta, and then the two Dolphins, Devon Achan and Tyreek Hill. Like, this is a lineup that... Uh, I think any of us who kind of understand correlation, understand these drafts could have landed on. And I'm honestly surprised that it wasn't duped because there wasn't a single player here that wasn't getting drafted in, in basically 100% of contests. Devon Achan had the uh, lowest ADP of the bunch, 31.8. And I would say as a rule of thumb, I almost always have at least one player in my Battle Royale lineups who has an ADP after 35. Um, basically saying, I want to have one guy who isn't rostered at 100% clip by the field. So every single player in Harrison 1992's lineup was drafted in every contest. So this ended up being a week. You just had to get the right combinations. There wasn't any insane values here. Took Tyree Kill at 1-2, comes back at the 2-3 turn, grabs uh, Kamara at 15, Debo uh, at... Or, oh, did they grab, uh, grab Laporta first? Uh, so then went... Wait a second here. Where did they get? Yeah, Tyreek at one. Oh, sorry. I was looking at the ADP. Took Laporta at 13 in Debo. Oh, later. So did Camara. Sorry. So did the Camara Laporta at the 2-3 turn, then did uh, Debo in Brock at the 4-5 turn, and then took Devon HN with his last pick at 36. So very nice lineup. This is one of those lineups where I probably would not have built this because I'm scrolling down. I'm probably like, I could have seen myself building this lineup and then taking Juwan Johnson as the tight end um, just to get a little bit off the board at tight end there. Um, so I, I think I could have been close to this, um, but would not have ever drafted this exact lineup. But shout out to Harrison, 1992, $30,000 solo shipper there, 167.26 points. Very nice team. My best lineup here um was a Brock Purdy um and this was one where all of the players were uh drafted in most contests but I knew this start uh, I believe was going to be pretty unique so I did Tyreek at 1 ADP 1.2 then getting uh George Kittle at pick 13 his ADP at 10.5 and then Brandon Ayuk his ADP 9.7 pick 12 and I, I think I remember doing this draft and knowing that the combo of Tyreek Hill, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle was pretty hard to get at the um, at 
from the one spot uh, because maybe you would get one of Ayuk or Kittle there, but generally both of them were not there. So then that funneled me to Brock Purdy. I loved pairing A-Chan with Tyree Kill, so did that and get the Nico thing here. So this lineup, um, if I take Debo, is it? Do I do that if I if I have Debo instead of uh, Ayuk? I win all the money. Uh, probably not. Still probably what twenty point difference there. What a Debo! Now I want to torture myself just for kicks. Thirty three point eight versus uh, thirteen, so uh, exactly twenty points off. So that puts me up to one fifty four fifty six. If I just go the other way in that one v one, I win five hundred dollars. All, all of that for for a 26th place finish. So I'm, I'm actually thankful. Who who needs $500 and a, a carrot of optimism when you're just going to get kicked in the dick anyways? Um, let's see. Uh, goal line stand. I think my best finish uh, had a team finish in 23rd place of the goal line stand. I believe there ended up being some overlay in this one. Yeah, 6,252 entrance uh, or spots and then only 5,124 in there. This is another note here. Um, definitely be checking the underdog lobby um, close to lock there um, because this one was trending for overlay. Um, certainly uh, helps. Like when you remove that 81.9% or sorry, that's the fill percentage. Um, it's essentially a rake-free contest, even a little bit more than that. So uh, need to be taking advantage of that. Wish I would have had more time to do some more goal line stands. This team um, ended up being a scroll down special. Did uh, I ended up getting boxed out of my stacks here. Started Keenan, Debo, and Nico, um, and then kind of just built out a, a backdoor thing with Russell Wilson and took James Conner with pick 67 there. Um, he goes for 22 points, end up finishing in 23rd place there. But nowhere close to a big day uh, here. Did we have any friends who won tournaments? Oh, yeah, Nez. Nez, I don't have his... Uh, I wasn't in the the bomb. The bomb uh, was the $100 contest on Underdog. Uh, where's, where's Nez here? Uh, there he is. But yeah, shout out to Nez um, for taking down... The bomb really, uh, oh no, this is his old team. He has this one pinned. Where is it? Um, here's his team. Uh, Tua to Tyreek uh, there. Uh, Debo Samuel, Michael Pittman, Sam Laporta, Rashad White. And what was interesting to me on this one is he got some really nice ADP values um, because to be able to get um, all of these guys on the same team um, where you had to take Tua and uh and Pittman I can't pull down to see exactly where he took these guys but I know uh Pittman was a pretty nice ADP faller here so shout out to Nez staying hot right before Miami Miami Nez that's right I got to put some respect on his name hmm shout out to producer Phil in the hopper here helping me on the ones and twos behind the scenes and also reminding me with the age-old wisdom that we all need to remember you just play the best place. You just play. Uh, shout out to Mark. Got fifth place in the hurry up too. In my first underdog weekly tournament. Welcome. Uh, I think you put that in your Twitter bio. Those are the rules. Got fifth place in the hurry up too. That's that's how you encourage all of the spam bots uh, to start following you. Hurry up too brings all the boys to the yard. There you go. Yeah, got Pittman at 36. So pretty nice ADP value there on Pittman sidestep Zach Moss that was another thing that was tough for me for from a portfolio standpoint 
with drafting battle royales is so like earlier in the week when right when we got the JT news, um, Zach Moss was uh, very mispriced in drafts, and you know ETR had him I, I think as like a first round value, first round pick in their um, battle royale ranks, and so I thought that was going to kind of carry over, and he was going to get steamed up. So I was just like pummeling Zach Moss shares early on. Like almost all of my Zach Moss shares were probably from Wednesday, Thursday. Um, then I was like, okay, his ADP isn't budging. And there are so many good running back plays on this slate that I don't want to be like massively overweight Zach Moss. Cause it's like, I like Zach Moss relative to his ADP. But again, with these contests, there is an element. You're not getting an exposure discount on Zach Moss. He's still getting drafted and everything. And we are just chasing raw points. And you scroll down and there's the Lions backs. There's Devon Achan. There's Derrick Henry. You know, there's all these guys, Jalen Warren, Najee Harris. There were so many good plays that were going after him that I did um, take my feet off the gas. Thankful for that. I would have had an even worse day. Um, I know some people might even lean into that more. I know John Warner from the Badge Bros is willing to be like, screw this. This guy's is mispriced. I am going to uh, to just slam it in on him. I think I'm a little bit more willing to do that if the guy isn't getting drafted quite as much. Um, but with his ADP, I think it topped out at like 22 or 23. Um, I ended up just taking my feet off the gas, and I'm glad I did. Wish I would have gotten a little more Derrick Henry, though, um, in that same game. All right, the chat's talking BBM. I believe that is how we should uh, head that way. Um, yeah, I, I'm feeling pretty good about my best ball portfolio. Let me pull it up here. One fun thing is I now have a team back in 867th place. Um, I have four teams in the top uh, 10,000. I had five going into Sunday night football, got dropped down. Maybe all the Christian Watson uh, teams uh, surging there last night uh, on his two touchdowns. But yeah, I can pull up this team. I believe I've showed it. I'm going to use uh, my guy, Patrick Donovan, uh, a.k.a. PD, um, has the awesome site you guys have seen on here, the Best Ball Mania database, a.k.a. BBMDB.com. I have the link down below. Super uh, helpful screener for reviewing your portfolio, the portfolio of your opponents. He even added this thing where you can do uh, roster options. So you can look at all the teams that have four quarterbacks. Last week, we were messing around with this a little bit. You can look at specific players. But yeah, I have a team in 869th now. Pretty fun team. I believe I have um, pulled this one up. I think this was the one I drafted on the club. Let me head over to my best ball tab here. I believe this is the one I drafted on the club early in draft season here. Um, let me just check. Uh, yes. So this was my sixth overall draft here. I'll go back to the screener because it's a little easier to see. Um, it's a Tua DAC team. Really like that combo there. Running backs, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Maj P. Ryan, Raheem Mostert, Tank Bigsby, Chuba Hubbard. Really nice to start getting some signs of life from uh, Tony Pollard, who's starting to play better. Raheem Mostert continues to score every week. And then Chuba. Chuba really coming along lately. Um, it seemed like they were pulling his usage back there for, for a minute, you know, working Miles Sanders in more in the passing game. But then you see him really operating as the lead back yesterday. And then I love these wide receivers. It's the uh, Tyree Kill stacked with Tua. Um, but then we have two double stacks without the quarterback. So Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Here's another uh, notch in the belt of correlation. 
like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, instead of trying to figure out which one's going to have the monster year, you just take both. It ends up being Mike Evans going absolute gam mode again. Him and Tyreek Hill just week after week. Doesn't matter um, the matchup. Those guys get it done. Have Michael Gallup. Uh, and then a couple rookies here. Um, you know, Jaden Reed uh, already kind of breaking out. And then who knows? Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims does just feel like the quintessential uh, Tyquan Thornton, KJ Hamler, the guy that does nothing, but you don't hate to show up to the finals with. Like if you see Marvin Mims and you're like, he does feel like the guy uh, Sean Payton could remember exists in week 17. And then I like these tight ends here too, TJ Hawkins and Jake Ferguson. So yeah, really like this team. Think it has some nice legs uh, here. Um, couple of my other teams we have certainly looked at before um it, it was a, a super bummer because i've been uh talking about this team i drafted with reeves on that final marathon stream uh it is currently advancing but we just took a hit last night because kenny pickett is now out but i've been calling this i mushed this team because i called it the team of destiny uh, i was texting reeves yesterday because right out off the rip alec pierce scores a touchdown and you know alec pierce has been dead dead uh, this year. So when Alec Pierce scored a touchdown and then Laporta was going off, I was like, maybe this is the team of destiny here. And then of course, Kenny Pickett is now getting surgery on his ankle and we're going to need Jared Goff to carry this team for a while, but still a really fun running back room here for the audio listeners. It has Brees Hall, David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, Jalen Warren, Zach Moss, Gus Edwards, and Jerome Ford, the quarterbacks Goff and Pickett. And then we have the, uh, similar to that other team, two sets of double stacks without the quarterback. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith couldn't get hurt. D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett couldn't get Geno. George Pickens, DPJ. We backdoored the stack uh, with Jared Goff on DPJ there. Alec Pierce. And then two tight ends that I like a lot here, Pat Fryermuth and Sam Laporta. So hopefully Trubisky can keep this offense relatively afloat. And then who knows, maybe get Kenny Pickett back. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to have to raw dog it with, uh, with Jared Goff there. Yeah, the stuff I think I'm most excited about with my portfolio is just like my Laporta bags and my McBride bags. Um, I have Laporta on 26 teams. Seven of 26 of those are advancing. Have a ton here bunched up though. Like you look at the place of all these teams, so many fourth and third place teams, you know, 11 points back, 21 points back, 50 points back, 42 points back. Um, so it'd be really nice if we could get a few more of these Laporta teams in. And then McBride too, been pretty, um, pleased with having 17 shares of him here um six of 17 35 advancing um these ones aren't as close i don't know if i'm going to be able to sneak in any uh trey mcbride teams here 112 96 40 um but yeah mcbride laporta looking like key difference makers i always forget how much chuba i have i thought i had a decent amount I have 23 only only four of the chuba teams advancing 17.4%. He is on that best team there. Uh, a decent bit back on some of these other ones there. Kind of surprised that Chuba doesn't have a better advance rate for me. Um, I guess it's mainly been him having like good games, but not great games. Um, you know, not having those massive spike weeks. Then, then the other, the real question, right, is how many Devon HN teams can you drag into the finals here? Uh, I have him on 20 teams. He's currently uh, on eight of 20 that are advancing 40% there. 
um, have a decent amount of fourth and fifth place teams with him. I mean, the fun thing about Devon Achan is the way this guy plays, man. You, you know, you look at a 50-point gap with another player and you're like, how am I going to chew up that gap? With Devon Achan, it does really feel like you could chew that up in a couple of weeks. So here's to uh, hoping we can get as many Devon Achan teams in as possible here. I've been saying raw dog too much. I said raw dog on the... Uh, the cold open of Lowell's uh, the other day and uh, really just uh, unfortunate context too. Um, it's one of my verbal crutches right now saying raw dog. Mm. Yeah, we, we should look at weekly winners. I always feel bad um, because every week, like someone will comment and they'll be like, wait, you're not going to look at weekly winners. And I'm always like, well, I haven't had a sweat. I have not had a sweat in weekly winners. Um, my like official weekly winners take is I, I, I love the format. I love the concept. I think we need much smaller contests and we need higher dollar ones. I think having higher dollar ones um, in smaller contests will make the sweat so much more fun. Like I would love to have like a single high stakes weekly winners team that I can check in on each week. That's only competing against a couple hundred other teams or something like that. Um, it's, it's been hard to get excited about weekly winners from a sweat standpoint. It looks like I have one team that's cashing this week and you just see how far off, like my best team this week has 168.46 points and it's, you know, what 50 points, 50 plus points off of first place. Um, here from from eater and what were we saying ben wanted me to look at please look at the lineup in first and weekly winners it was a week 13 buy stack no way <laughs> jimmy garoppolo gus edwards Foreman, davian harris odell am i looking at the right one here um seattle so he has the geno game you get the dk metcalf you had to have that uh debo samuel cd lamb aj brown so we do have a zero rb build here look at this james connor and chuba all you need right there. I mean, this is like, this is the zero RB nuts right here. And I mean, I, I built a lot of teams like this, not with these players specifically, but just this kind of structure where it's like, let me get in all of these good wide receivers. You hit on the Sam Laporta cheap tight end. I think I had way more uh, elite tight end in this format, which is not going to work out. Kelsey not putting up massive scores. Mark Andrews out for the year. Um, the Laporta McBride stuff definitely looking like a bit of a cheat code, but just loading up on these wide receivers. I mean, what? Uh, pick 35 DK, uh, pick 38 Debo, pick 14 CD, uh, pick 11. So four straight wide receivers there. And then Drake London at pick 62, Mark Andrews uh, or Marquise Brown at 83. Just loading up on wide receivers with the first, what, six, seven? Yeah. So the first uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. First seven picks of this team, all wide receivers. A true piss boy taking down 20,000 here. Let's see what my team looked like that was cashing. Uh, it was a punt QB team, Brock Purdy, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr. Uh, kind of what? I don't even know what you would call this. Modified hyperfragile. Devon Achan, Kenneth Gainwell, Ramondre Stevenson, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, dead dead uh, with Dobbins. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Smith, Cortland Sutton, Olave, Ayuk. JSN, uh, Michael Wilson, Rashad Bateman. Uh, oh, did do have the Sam Laporta Trey McBride combo here. So you just you just see how how goddamn perfect you have to be on here. And it's um I did really enjoy drafting these. Um, but it, it's just too big. It's too big. Two hundred sixty one thousand having to have um the nuts to have a sweat 
Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see a revamped. I know people have been talking about in the lobby. What do we have? Uh, uh, a playoff weekly winners tab here for rankings. Um, I imagine that will be launching soon. Assume we'll be getting a lot more of the playoff best ball contest probably coming after week 14 would be my guess here. Uh, but yeah, really love the weekly winners concept. I just think some contest sizing shifts there and uh, and then we'll be in business next year. And the other thing, like I didn't end up getting um, enough eliminator teams in. And so I, I, but one of the things like I've observed from a distance is like how much everyone loved the eliminator uh, style league. So I am excited to draft more of those next year. Um, dig into that a little bit more. Excited to see what all the data bros come up with. And uh, I think having a full year of data on weekly winners, on uh, Eliminator will make the summer very fun. And it'll feel fresh because um, we'll have the the classic best ball strategy. We'll have the weekly winner strategy. We'll have the Eliminator. Uh, I do think it will be a very fun best ball summer there. Um, yeah, it'll... Uh, it's the action's going to be flying. And then of course we do have a playoff best ball coming up here as well. So super excited for all of that stuff. Um, couple programming notes. I mentioned this for the, uh, the YouTube members. I had to cancel my, uh, Saturday night show. I had an internet outage here. Uh, couldn't get it done with my hotspot. So sacrilegious who hosts stat chasing super sharp dude punched a ticket to the dog bowl in Miami. Um, he is going to be my guest and we're going to do a double header on Tuesday night. Uh, I'm actually filling in for Drico. Ben Gretsch and I are going to join Sacrilegious on stat chasing. And then immediately after I'm going to do a DFS after dark. So if you're a YouTube member, you get access to that. As a reminder, I mentioned the crams, how valuable those have been for helping me gauge sentiment, true ownership steam relative to actual ownership projections. You can get access to that by becoming a YouTube member. And, uh, it's a good bang for your buck. You become a hand builder and opto bro. It unlocks a private channel in the Discord. We talk showdown strategy. Shout out to our guy, Herd Nation. has been on an absolute heater there in showdown. We look at the best leverage plays, the optimal lineups. We build some pick em slips. I built an awful one last night that had a Tucker Craft lower that got the blade really early. I'm not doing a good job selling this. Um, but you get two premium shows a week, DFS After Dark and the Cram and the Discord channel. Ends up being eight shows a month. Um, otherwise, this week, um, we do have some slight tweaks to my schedule because I am going to Miami on Friday. So JM and I are going to actually record the block party show on Thursday night. We will stream it. It'll be at 5 p.m. Eastern, though. That's the time that worked out with our schedule because I will be in the air to Miami at our normal time. And then instead of off and on the clock in the afternoon, we're going to try to shoot that live from Miami with the Badge Bros at the Underdog House. So you can keep an eye out for that. Um, I probably won't have a DFS after dark on Saturday night because we're going to be at the underdog draft event for the live final for the dog bowl. But then I am going to try to do my cram on the road uh, on Sunday. So that's the programming schedule. We'll have the club tomorrow, probably an early look at the week 13 uh, or week 14 slate and uh, all the other usual stuff this week. Shipcast on Thursday, lols on Thursday, all of that good stuff. Um, hop in the Discord if you guys aren't. That's where I'll be posting the Week 14 rake-free contest. Shout out again to Rupesh for taking that down. If you want to compete in that, I post that link exclusively in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. Thank you, as always, to all of you guys. 
If you didn't have a good week, don't worry. We'll get them next week. If you crushed in week 13, kudos. You did it. Even though you're a Debo Samuel chalk slappy. Just kidding. I respect you. Have a great week. Uh, I'll catch you around. I'm headed over to do Sirius XM. Thanks again to Phil behind the scenes. Appreciate you all. Peace.